we must support our local police. Nothing can be quite so damaging to police morale and efficiency as converting every arrest into a trial of the policeman instead of the criminal. The Secret Origins of Racial Division in America. Mr. Reagan. Now, there's many reasons for racial division in America. Obviously, slavery, obviously the Jim Crow laws in the South, civil rights movement, all that kind of stuff. But we hear about that every day. From CNN, from the mainstream media, we always hear about this stuff. We know about this stuff. But there's another reason why there is such severe racial tension in America, even to this day. It sounds a bit outlandish. It sounds conspiratorial, like some crazy theory. But I'm going to give you video evidence. I'm going to give you names. You can do all the research yourself. You can see all of this history is absolutely true. Black Americans have been used for decades by Marxists to try to create division and unrest in America. The reason that they're doing this is because the theory of the Marxists is that if you can utterly destroy a country, if you can raise it to the ground, absolutely obliterate it structurally and physically, then out of the ashes, you can create a new, beautiful Marxist utopia. Right, so that is the idea of Marxists. That's the idea of communists, of socialists. And we are seeing the effects of that today. The marches in the streets, the Black Lives Matter movement, Antifa, these are all products of Marxist interference in America for decades. This is the culmination of all of those Marxist efforts. And I'm going to go through the detail of this history in this video. Political correctness is a disease that has infected too many institutions in America. There is huge societal pressure to say exactly the right thing, to be politically correct. Don't joke about this. Elevate these groups. Condemn these other groups, etc. If you don't go along with this, you're actually an impressive person. Why? Because it's dangerous. Defying the woke mob is a sign of character. It's a sign of intellectual courage. And that is impressive. Since the chaos of the pandemic, you may now need to start hiring people again for your company. But how do you avoid all the wokeness? This is why right now you should check out unwoke.hr. Unwoke.hr is the job recruitment platform for free thinkers. We live in crazy times right now, and you want to hire courageous, free-thinking, and freedom-loving individuals, not ideologues whose only agenda is to weaponize your brand and your business to further their radical cause. Unwoke HR is 100% free for everyone. That means you don't pay a single dime to start hiring the best and brightest people that society has to offer. So check out unwoke.hr and hire free thinkers, not activists. The link is in the description below. And I really do think this is a phenomenal service. So if you really, if you have a business, or you own a company, and you want to hire really smart, brilliant people who are not susceptible to this woke craziness that's going on, you really should uh, look at this site and maybe try to advertise, advertise your business there to try to bring in new talent. The link is in the description below. If you own a business, you need to hire somebody, just click on it right now. You can always come back to the video. So in the early 20th century, the Bolshevik Revolution, the October Revolution in Russia, brought the communists to power and Vladimir Lenin. The way they did that was they were able to create resentment among the people against the aristocracy. The aristocracy was this very rich layer of Russians at the very top, and everybody else was relatively poor. And they said every Russian can divide up the wealth of the country. It doesn't need to be in the hands of these super rich, wealthy aristocrats. 
And the people went, that was a great idea. Let's do that. And so they created this communist utopia that was the Soviet Union. Very soon after that, Vladimir Lenin thought, okay, let's spread this throughout the world. So he created an organization called Com Intern, right? It stood for Communist International. I know it sounds like newspeak from 1984, but this is really what he called it, Com Intern. So Com Intern was designed to train Marxists within a country to create unrest and then Marxist revolution from within. Obviously, there was always a Soviet threat from outside for potential invasion, but what the Soviets thought was actually a better technique was to convince people within the country that they were oppressed and that they could create a revolution from within. So that was what that was the, the purpose of calm in turn. Now, the Marxists had a problem with America specifically. America was a particularly hard nut to crack. America was difficult because America didn't have a huge underclass and a thin layer of aristocrats on top. We didn't have the same class structure as other nations. We had some poor people, quite a few rich people, and a massive middle class. And the middle class were relatively happy. So the Russians couldn't target America in the same way they targeted other nations. So they had to think about new ways of creating a Marxist utopia in the United States. So in 1928, there was a critical meeting. This meeting was called the Sixth Congress of the Common Turn. And the Sixth Congress of the Common Turn was a meeting in which they made the decision to target a particular group in the United States of America. They decided to target black Americans. They had this idea that black Americans, relatively newly freed from slavery, the resentment of these black Americans could be aggravated. And these black Americans could be turned against white Americans, and this could potentially result in a revolt. It could result in a race war, which is what they were trying to create. They thought the race war could potentially spill over into a full-on civil war, decimate the country, and then, as I said, Marxism could rise up out of the ashes. That was their plan. They made the decision in 1928, which is a lot earlier than you might think, but that's when they started this cultural warfare on the United States, on the black community specifically. And they brought in a guy, his name was Sol Arbach. He went by the name the name James S. Allen. He was uh, an American whose parents had immigrated from Russia to the United States, and he became a radical, radicalized Marxist. And he went over to the Soviet Union, and they taught him basically how to distribute their propaganda in the United States. And he was effective. He came across a case, the case of the Scottsboro Boys, which you guys might know about. In case you don't know, Scottsboro Boys were nine young black men who were accused of rape in the South, and they they were innocent. They had not committed this crime, and it was outrageous. It was totally an injustice, right? So this guy realized, it was a very obvious injustice, he realized the power of this, that he could, he could, he could get a lot of people to join his cause if he promoted this, right? So it was a good thing. I mean, it was a good thing to promote this case and to get attention for it and to outrage people because these guys' lives were saved in part because of him. There was other people too, but in part because of him. But unfortunately, this had a much more nefarious side, which was to recruit a lot of black leaders into the Communist Party. And, and this was sort of the beginnings of creating the Marxist revolution in America. Now, what I'm about to show you is a video from 1969. 
and it was created by a guy named G. Edward Griffin. Everything that he says in this video is absolutely prescient. Watch some of the stuff that he says and just think about it for yourself. See if you don't agree with everything that he says. Now, here is a book that I think ought to be in every home library. It's entitled Color, Communism, and Common Sense by Manning Johnson. Manning Johnson was a Negro, and he was also a member of the Communist Party. He joined the party as a young man because he honestly believed that the communists were trying to improve the conditions of his people. He was a dedicated communist. But after many years, Manning Johnson finally came to the realization that the communists weren't the least bit interested in improving the conditions of the Negro people. He discovered that instead they were merely planning to use his people, and these are his words, to use them as cannon fodder in a bloody revolution to destroy America. As early as 1928, the communists declared that the racial differences among our people constituted the weakest and most vulnerable point in our social fabric. By constantly probing and straining at this one spot, they calculated that eventually the cloth could be torn apart and that Americans could be divided, weakened, and perhaps even set against each other in open combat. We must not be led into placing the blame for the riots, the civil disorders, on the Negro people of our nation. Even those few who are promoting hatred and violence in the black communities are not themselves the cause. They're merely being used by forces far bigger than they are to promote the violent phase of the revolution in America. Hoping to avoid further violence and bloodshed, the public is to be pressured into accepting measures that will move the country gradually and legally toward communism, but without calling it that. The strategy of the proletarian revolution calls for the quiet conversion of our government into a communist regime, but under the banner of socialism. The uh, new program of the Communist Party on this subject has this to say. The term socialism describes but the first stage of a new society that in its full development is called communism. Socialism is a transitional stage. The building of socialism is the communist revolution in America. It represents the process whereby our country can be moved gradually toward communism without the people even being aware of it. They have one and only one solution for all problems. More government, more government, and then more and more until it's total government. Total government is communism. We must not be fooled into thinking that the causes of our civil turmoil are such things as poverty, poor housing, lack of education, and similar social or economic factors. As a matter of fact, most of today's self-styled revolutionaries, black and white, come from good homes, could earn better than average incomes if they wanted to work. And in fact, they're products of some of the finest institutions of higher learning. We mustn't resort to violence either as a means of furthering political or social goals and we must do everything humanly possible to discourage others from doing so. We must support our local police. Nothing can be quite so damaging to police morale and efficiency as converting every arrest into a trial of the policeman instead of the criminal. Now in passing, ladies and gentlemen, you may have wondered why the Communist Party has been a staunch supporter of the drive to place a black studies curriculum into our high schools and colleges. Well. The reason becomes obvious the minute you take a look at the textbooks and the study guides 
Under the guise of academic balance, these courses have become a brilliant device for conditioning young people to accept still one more part of the total program for revolution. We must discover the identity of those individuals, both above and below, who consciously are furthering the communist program for revolution, and then remove them from their positions of trust and leadership. Now, of course, the minute you begin to think along these lines, you'll become the target of a whole barrage of attacks. You'll be called a right-wing extremist, a fascist, or at least a dictator. Some years ago, I happened to attend a meeting where several anti-communist refugees from behind the Iron Curtain were called upon to relate their personal experiences. One of the refugees spoke up and he said, you know, I came to America expecting to find a nation of free men, but instead, I find exactly the same thing. Everywhere I look, I see men and women who know that communists are making headway in this country. They know that something must be done and that someone must stand up to them. But they themselves do nothing. They remain silent because they're afraid that if they speak out or take a stand publicly, it'll be bad for business. They may lose a client. They may even lose their jobs. If communism should ever come to America, we'll face more death, destruction, and human suffering than any people in history has ever faced at the hands of their invading conquerors. It's literally a question of life and death for all of us. And it's about time the American people began to face up to that fact and to act accordingly. Thank you. I mean, the stuff that this guy is saying is totally applicable to today. And he's got all the history there. And the guy that he mentioned, Manning Johnson, you can look this guy up. That book exists. That, that dude is like totally legit. And he understood that the black community was being manipulated by Soviet Marxism in order to create civil unrest here in America. And he is the source for a lot of this stuff, this this guy, Manning Johnson. All right, so you might not believe this guy, G. Edward Griffin, because you might think, okay, well, this guy just had these crazy theories, and you might not believe this Manning Johnson guy. You might think, okay, well, that guy was just making stuff up or whatever. Let's go straight to the source. All right, this is a video that probably some of you have seen at least part of. This is a guy, his name is Yuri Bezmenov. Yuri Bezmenov was a propagandist for the KGB, and he was stationed in India. And he eventually defected when he realized that a lot of the people that he was working with in India were going to be executed by the Soviets. And he realized the brutality of what was going on, and he said, I can't be a part of this. And so he left, and he defected to the West. And in the video I'm going to show you, he describes exactly what the Soviet plan was here in America. Now, interestingly, this guy, Yuri Bezmenov, was being interviewed by G. Edward Griffin. So this guy, G. Edward Griffin, was really quite focused on this problem of the Marxist infiltration, cultural infiltration into America, something that probably not a lot of people were worried about or even thinking about. He was worried about it, he was concerned about it, and it was real. Have a look at this interview with Yuri Bezmenov from 1984. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Only about 15% of time, money, and manpower 
is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process, which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, активные мероприятия in the language of, of the KGB. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result you can see, most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind, even if you, if you expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black. You still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, these people, uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid society of these people, you, have, you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of, of the uh, of, uh, United States society. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already uh, for the last 25 years. Actually, it's overfulfilled because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans. Even if, if you start right now, here, this minute, you start educating new generation of Americans, it will still take you 15 to 20 years to turn the tide of, uh, of ideological perception of reality uh, back to normal, no, normalcy and, and uh, patriotism. Most of the American politicians, media and educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. United States is in a state of war, undeclared total war against the basic principles and the foundations of, of this system. And, and the initiator of this war is not Comrade Andropov, of course. Uh, it's, it's the system. However ridiculous it may sound, the world communist system or the world communist conspiracy, whether I scare some people or not, I don't give a hoot. You have literally several years to live on unless the United States wake up. The, the time bomb is ticking with every second. The disaster is coming closer and closer. Unlike myself, you will have nowhere to defect to. This is it. This is the last country of freedom 
and, and possibility. Okay, so what do we do? What is your recommendation to the American people? There must be a very strong national effort to educate people in, in, in the spirit of real patriotism, number one. Number two, to, to explain them the real danger of socialist, communist, whatever, welfare state, big brother government. If people will fail to grasp the impending danger of that development, Nothing ever can help the United States. You may kiss goodbye to your freedom, including freedoms to, to homosexuals, to prison inmate. All this freedom will vanish, evaporate in, in five seconds, including your precious lives. Educate yourself. Understand what's going on around you. You are not living at a time of peace. You are in a state of war. And you have precious little time to save yourself. It's, it's simplistic. I know it sounds unpleasant. I know Americans don't like to listen to things which are unpleasant. But I have defected not to tell you the stories about such idiocy as, as microfilm, James Bond type, espionage. This is garbage. I have come to talk about survival. It's a question of survival of this system. I am now in your boat. If, if we sing together, we'll sing beautifully together. There is no other place on this planet to defect to. All right, how about that? You can see, you can see what's happening now is exactly what this guy warned us of, is exactly a product of that brainwashing, right? He's saying that it takes, what was it, like 15 to 20 years to create a generation of Marxists, right, of believers, because you go into the universities and you train these people these kids to become activists, to become Marxists, and the brainwashing, he says, is so effective that facts will not, you can show them all the facts you want, they still won't believe it because they are totally invested, they're true believers, they drank the Kool-Aid, they're in the cult. And you can totally see that today. You can talk, you can talk your head off to these, you know, Black Lives Matter activists, to these Antifa people, you can give them all the facts, logic, reason in the world, and they don't care. They are totally bought in to the, these Marxist ideas. And the really insidious thing now is that these people, they don't even know that what they're doing is, is a product of Marxist propaganda. They think they really are trying to make the world a better place. They are totally and utterly brainwashed. Now, I was first turned on to the history of this problem from this book here. This is... My good friend Sebastian Gorka, I think one of the best guys out there. If you don't watch his show consistently, you really need to. The man is a genius, former advisor to President Donald Trump himself. And this is the book, The War for America's Soul. He signed it here because, you know, he's awesome. Anyway, I love this guy. If you haven't bought the book, Sebastian Gorka's The War for America's Soul, you really need to buy this book. A phenomenal, phenomenal read. This is how I, I first understood what was happening. I had no idea any of this Marxist history of racial division in America until I read Sebastian Gorka's book. And Sebastian Gorka's book led me to this book, which I should have read years ago, and I never did until recently. Righteous Indignation, Excuse Me While I Save the World, Andrew Breitbart, The Man's a Legend. Okay, Excuse Me While I Save the World. He really was saving the world with this book. I mean, so many people, I mean, I know probably many of you have read this. So many people were woken up 
by Andrew Breitbart. I mean, he really did change the culture significantly, and we owe him a huge debt of gratitude. And I'm going to go through a couple of things in Breitbart's book that I think are incredibly important. Now, the Marxists had a two-pronged approach to infecting the United States with Marxism. One was obviously the racial angle going after black Americans, but another angle was academia, right? They put a lot of Marxists in the academic system. And this wasn't necessarily born from Soviet influence directly. A lot of these guys came from Germany. They were escaping Nazi Germany, but they had these Marxist ideas, and they eventually infiltrated the American university system. And these academics were known as the Frankfurt School. You can read all about it in Andrew Breitbart's book. I mean, it describes everything in great detail, and you can go in and you can research everything I did, and it's all 100% legit. Now, the most notable of these academics was a guy by the name of Eric Fromm. And Eric Fromm, he had all these ideas about sexual revolution and, you know, sexual liberty. He believed that the institution of marriage was unnatural and actually ruined the lives of people and their children. So he was very much against the traditional ideas of marriage. And then these ideas, of course, were pushed even further by Herbert Marcuse. Now, according to Breitbart, I'm going to read directly from the book here, Marcuse's mission was to dismantle American society by using diversity and multiculturalism as crowbars with which to pry the structure apart piece by piece. He wanted to set blacks in opposition to whites, to set all victim groups in opposition to society at large. This became the basis for the post-structural movement, gender studies, queer studies, African-American studies, Chicano studies, etc. All of these blank studies blazonly describe their mission as tearing down traditional Judeo-Christian values and the accepted traditions of Western culture and placing in their stead a moral relativism that equates all cultures and philosophies, except, of course, for Western civilization, culture, and philosophy, which are exploitive and bad. Andrew Breitbart goes into detail about Saul Alinsky. Now, you've probably heard about Saul Alinsky. He wrote the book Rules for Radicals in 1971. Now, Rules for Radicals is a guidebook to what what, what he called community organizing. The idea was uh, you could be a community organizer, gather your community together, Um, give them a common cause, and then they are empowered. They have power over the local government, and they can get get changes created that they believe will be beneficial to their, you know, oppressed group, if they're like an underserved community, as the Democrats like to say. Rules for Radicals essentially took Marxist tricks, Marxist techniques, and just repeated them in a book that he called Community Organizing. Community organizing was essentially Marxist infiltration of America under just a different name, just a different veneer. What Saul Alinsky did that was, I think, maybe actually was revolutionary, was he took one of the principles of Marxism, Marxist techniques, and he really focused on that. And this this particular technique, which is really effective, is a technique of finding a common enemy, finding something for everybody to hate. Because if you think about it, if you meet somebody and you both like Star Wars— that can unify you. You could have a friend for life. Sometimes it's a bit effective. Oh, that's cool. You like Star Wars. I like Star Wars. Sometimes you end up becoming best friends, you know. But you know what also unifies people? Mutual hatred, right? If you complain about something, if you complain about, say, not Star Wars, uh, the original series, but the prequels, if you start a rant about, oh, man, I hate those prequels, and you start, and some guy also really hates the prequels, oh, my gosh, I really hate the prequels, too, then suddenly these two people are unified in common hatred over something. 
And this is something that, that Saul Alinsky really capitalized on. He recognized the power of unification through hatred. And so his entire book talks about how you can unify an entire community against a common enemy. So even though you might not have a very clear cause, you don't know exactly how to improve the community, you can bring that community together by saying, this politician is pure evil and we must all hate him. Or in the case of Democrats, because this is spread, this is spread throughout the entire you know, Democrat party now, it's all blacks should be unified, all races, in fact, should be unified against white people. All women should be unified against men, right? Uh, Muslims, homosexuals, trans people, you should all be unified against Christians, right? So you have now the Sololinsky technique, the Marxist technique of unifying people through hatred, and that has become a, a fundamental principle of the Democrat Party. That's how influential this guy was, and Marxism has been on the Democrat Party. And I would go so far as to say that the Democrat Party today is Marxist light. It's sort of low-level Marxism. And if you don't think Saul Alinsky is sinister enough, he dedicates his book, and I'm not joking, to Satan. Let me quote directly. Lest we forget the first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did it so effectively that he at least won his own kingdom. Lucifer. Now, I think that to some degree that was a joke, but it's a pretty messed up joke, dedicating your book to Satan. And you can see the product of all of this stuff happening today. All the riots, the looting, all this kind of stuff, the racial division, this is all a product of this Marxist exploitation of black people and Academia. Academia has, of course, produced a lot of journalists, and now we see the Marxist influence in journalism. I mean, just like what happened with the Scottsboro Boys, which was a genuine injustice, the Marxists were able to get a lot of American sentiment on their side. And in the same way, they're doing exactly the same thing now. Think about, think about who Antifa is, right? In the early days, when... They will. The Marxists were trying to infiltrate American society. The communists were trying to put the seat of influence here. They were very much against Hitler. The reason that the Russians were against Hitler was obviously because they were trying to make Germany communist, and Hitler was a Nazi. They were different factions, both authoritarian, but different factions, and the, the Russians wanted control of Germany. Hitler was obviously an impediment to that goal. So the communists were de facto against the Nazis, and so and obviously against Mussolini and the fascists. So they were essentially anti-fascists. But if you're an evil person against another evil person, it doesn't make you a good person. But you can trick people into thinking you're a good person because you're, you both have a common enemy, right? So they were anti-fascists, right? Which has since become Antifa. It's the same stuff just continuing decades later, right? But now they don't have this common enemy. They don't have a Hitler to go after. They don't have fascists, real fascists. They don't have real Nazis. So what do they do? They just redefine what a fascist is. A fascist is no longer an Italian revolutionary trying to create a authoritarian state in Italy. Uh, a Nazi is no longer somebody in Germany in the 30s, you know, the 40s, trying to create an authoritarian state in Germany and, you know, 
exterminate an entire people. No, now a Nazi or a fascist, according to the Marxist, according to Antifa, is just a Republican, right? Any conservative America. And the common enemy is, of course, Donald Trump. Uh, they target white people, they target men, they target Christians, they target conservatives, Republicans, obviously, and most importantly, they target Donald Trump. And that's how they unify people. Uh, they unify people in hatred against Trump. Black Lives Matter and Antifa both have slightly different names, but are unified together in hatred. Now, if you don't believe what I'm saying, if you don't think that this is still a Marxist infiltration, let's listen to some people that are working to this very day for Black Lives Matter and Antifa, and you can see the proof of it, okay? So this is, let's see here, this is Patrice Kahn Cullors, all right? She is one of the founders of Black Lives Matter. This is, in her words, what she's doing with Black Lives Matter. Listen. I also think that it might, um, I think of a lot of things. The first thing I think is that we actually do have an ideological frame. Um, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists. Um, we are uh, super uh, versed um, on sort of ideological theories. And I think that what we really try to do is build a movement that could be utilized by many, many black folk. All right, so Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization, right? It is controlled, manipulated, run by Marxists, by communists. That is the end goal. The end goal is destruction so that out of the ashes can rise Marxism. That's what they're doing. It's all about destruction, guys. There's nothing positive about Black Lives Matter. There's nothing positive about Antifa. All these organizations that support Black Lives Matter in Hollywood, all the businesses, you're supporting a Marxist takeover of the country. You're supporting the destruction of America. All right, let's listen to another guy. This is Chaziel Sons, right? He used to be in Black Lives Matter. He was heavily involved with Black Lives Matter. And a lot of these Marxists, they believe in war, right? Real physical war with guns and bombs and all that stuff with, within the United States between the left and the right. They think that a war is going to happen. That's their goal, and that's what they believe will happen. And so he, he talks a little bit about the coming war, right? And that's exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about this impending war that the Marxists want to see happen in America. I'm pretty optimistic, and I think it's a kind of a silly ridiculous thing to want. Obviously, it's a ridiculous thing to want, but I think it's a ridiculous thing to believe will happen. I don't think we're going to get into a full-on civil war in America anytime soon. But that's what he thinks is going to happen because that's because he knows that's what the people he worked with at Black Lives Matter, that's what they believed was happening because that was their goal. So have a listen to what this guy says. What's up, world? It's your main man, Chaziel Sons. Probably the end of 2015... I started to notice um, infiltrators coming into the movement, which is already it was it's been like this for a long time. But I actually started to see them all online, making fake pages, feeding off our emotions, trying to trying to get us involved in things that we're not involved in, trying to get us to believe in things that we weren't familiar with, basically pushing us or to be more left and democratic. A lot of the black leaders are straight leading us to our demise. They have us working 
doing their dirty work. Who is their dirty work? I mean the far left's dirty work. Because how they're getting us is they're playing us emotionally. And they're basically saying how racist and how messed up guys on the far right and the neo-Nazis are. So they're getting the gays, they're getting people of other cultures, the people of the far left. I'm talking about the far left. I'm getting somewhere with this. They're getting gays, they're getting uh, black people, anybody who doesn't like Donald Trump, and they want us to be a part of their side. What I'm trying to get the black population to understand and overstand, and this is critical, is the movement has been compromised okay I, I, everybody needs to know that the RBG movement has been compromised BLM if you are not caught up to BLM it is not even a real black organization it never was I actually feel bad that I've been keeping a lot of this information cooped up for so long but I just felt like you know it wasn't getting anywhere there is hidden powers who are controlling the narrative and they're brainwashing you to feel a certain way about the system about white people about every race and about yourselves do not let these beasts do not let these evil people do this and i'm not talking about any particular right man you got black people man like i said the movement has been compromised the move there is no black rbg movement if you were claiming blm you a real sad this is all a big setup it's huge propaganda the biggest propaganda the people on the left are using us the democratic party are using black people to fight their war with antifa with uh it's getting very very deep if you don't know who antifa is look antifa up uh uh basically a terrorist group but they're they're basically like a a a, a militant group and they're anti-fascist that's what antifa stands for it stands for anti-fascist and the media is downplaying this uh uh this group they're not telling people about this group and what they want to do is they want to take the guns away from the people on the far right their whole plan is to even a playing field because the people on the far right they deal with guns they have all the guns and right now as it stands the people on the left are set to get slaughtered that's why they're pushing gun laws you think i'm a big trump fan no i'm just letting y'all know i'm just giving the information as i get it in Las Vegas, that country music show or whatever in Las Vegas, it was pretty much all white people. That was a direct hit. That was a direct hit from the left party. I don't know if you can say Antifa did it, but it was a direct hit from the left going against the right. What I want black people, my people to understand is don't get involved in something that has nothing to do with y'all. As much as you feel however you feel about the right, they are straightforward. The people on the left are lying to you and trying to get you to do that dirty work and get slaughtered. And they're going to use you and emotionally they're going to get you attached to their little movement, Antifa and all this bullshit.
So as you can see, these Marxists and most of the intellectual Marxists, the ones that are driving this, they're mostly white people, right? So the Black Lives Matter folks who are organizing and, and running things and really passionate activists, they're being manipulated by white socialists, right? If you're black and you don't, and you're a leftist and you're voting Democrat, you are being used by cultural Marxists to try to destroy America. That is their goal, okay? And, and look what's happened to the black community in America, right? There's all this speculation, and I've been thinking about this for quite a long time. Why, why is the black community how it is? Why do they have so much resentment? And I blame a lot of it on racism against white people. But where does that racism come from? And, and we've kind of gone through it here. It comes from this Marxist influence to try to poke and prod at the wound that is racial division and, and inflame it, make it worse. But the Marxist infiltration into black culture is much more sinister and has been much more effective than you might think. I would go so far as to say that black culture in America has been a successful test case of cultural Marxism here, here in this country. Consider this. Consider how many abortion clinics exist in black communities. Consider how single black mothers get, get essentially get paid uh, by the state for being a single black mother. There, there are so many incentives to dissolve the traditional nuclear family in the black community. There is this idea of the black male not staying with the woman that he has impregnated and had a child with, right? That's why they have terms like baby daddy. Instead of father, they use the term baby daddy. They had an invent a new term because it was such a ubiquitous problem of black men impregnating women and then leaving them with the child, right? And there, there was this message within cultural Marxism for decades, which was sexual liberation, sexual freedom, and the nuclear family is corrupt. And they were effective in getting that message into the black community. And now, look, look at the result, right? So many single mothers, so many children growing up without fathers. And what is the result? Is it a positive result? I, I think pretty obviously not. But it's not just cultural, it's also economic. Not, not only do they accept welfare as a, a, a possible way of life, but they fight for welfare. There was a video, I don't remember when it was, I, I'll try to find it, but I don't know if I can, of a guy screaming at the camera that the government had better not take away his welfare checks because his mom needs Fruit Loops. There was like this really weird video many years ago. What up, I keep that I go to war with who the f I want to, but I really want to go to war with Donald Trump because Donald Trump trying to take food stamps from my mom and that's all she got. Bitch ass. Look, long as the mother government let us keep food stamps in Sherwood, we gonna be good. But the first time the pass a law talking about he taking Louisiana purchase, go get ugly. It's gonna go down. And I'm talking about all the way down. You gotta understand, baby, them children love fruit loops. They love that. So if you take that. It's coming with the madness. What y'all need to do is tag Donald Trump and let him know it's up over here. We won't war. We go declare war. We got them drum and grenades, but I'm scared to throw them. But there's this kind of aggression in America, in the black, in some some parts of the black community, some some black people, that welfare is their right. They have to have it. They must have it. There is this dependency that's been created uh, in the black community on the state, a dependency on the state, right? And 
you really don't get more Marxist than that. The people are utterly dependent on the state. The people don't need the nuclear family anymore because they have the state to, to, to take care of them. So this is a kind of Marxist experiment here in the United States, a, a small version of what they want to create across the nation. And has this experiment worked? No, it's been an utter disaster. We need to somehow draw out the Marxist influence in the black community because it has utterly devastated the black community. So now here's the weird thing about American politics today, right? The Democrats, they used to be the party of Jim Crow. They used to be the party of slavery. They used to be the party of the KKK. How did they become the champions of civil rights? Well, I'll tell you how. Marxist infiltration. You know, the, 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 the Soviets had a problem when they were trying to infiltrate American culture because the Soviet-style Marxism, Marxism is fundamentally a left-wing political ideology. So you had to go after people and, and make them choose one kind of political party over another. And the closest political party that we had to the Marxist ideas was the Democrats, even though they were racist against black people and that kind of thing. So when they went after the student, the college students and turned them into Marxists, they turned them into Democrats. And so you had this weird modification of the Democrat Party. They say there was a switch where all the Republicans, you know, who were good people became Democrats and all the Democrats who were these racists became Republicans. That's not what happened. What happened is that the Marxists basically took over everything about the Democrat Party. We now have two political parties in America, but not two political parties that vie for a sort of a different kind of representative democracy or constitutional republic. We have two different parties that advocate two different kinds of government altogether. We have the Republicans who wish to retain the constitutional republic that we have, and there is the Democrats who want to turn our country into a socialist country. So what does this all mean? What does this mean in the end? What is the end game of the Democrats? The end game for the Democrats is destruction. The end game for Republicans is liberty. Make America great again. There is this accusation about Republicans that make America great again means bring back racism, bring back slavery, bring back all this crazy stuff. Of course, that's not what they mean by make America great again. That's not what we mean. What we mean is we've lost certain values in America. America has become less religious, less ethical, less moral. A lot of that is because of the Marxist infiltration, right? Because Marxists are atheists, right? They're anti-religious. They believe that you should be loyal to the state and not to God, not to your faith. I'm going to read a few words here that I believe best encapsulate what we mean when we say make America great again. Make America great again means bringing back dignity, Christianity, morality, ethics, family, dignity, patriotism, civic pride, generosity, integrity, honesty, kindness, respect, and maybe most importantly, gratitude. Now before I go, I would like to show you a video of an old man. <laughs> this is a video that I saw on Twitter the other day, and I thought it beautifully encapsulated what we mean when we say, make America great again.
All right, well, that's it for me. And remember, it's not that our liberal friends are ignorant. It's just they know so much that isn't so. Good night. Not too long ago, two friends of mine were talking to a Cuban refugee. And in the midst of his story, one of my friends turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth.